My name is Erin Kenny, and I'm a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. All right, so welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired. Today, I am here with Melissa. Um, Hi, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. So Melissa is a transformational health coach, and she helps women find peace with food. And her story is really inspiring. I think that a lot of listeners can probably relate. Her own struggles with her relationship with food allowed her to find freedom and health and life. And she now helps others find the same peace. So amazing work that she's doing. Thank you, Melissa. And today we're going to talk about the connection between mindful eating and intuitive eating as it relates to gut health. So Melissa and I were just talking about how we are feeling just kind of blah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the weather. I think it's quarantine. I think it's just kind of the state of the world. Maybe everyone's feeling this sort of heaviness. I think that we can all like wake up and feel like we're alone. And then you connect with other people who are feeling the same. And it's really interesting to see that we really are all in this together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's okay to, to not feel motivated, especially during this time. And I think it can translate a lot into our eating habits and our routine and just our headspace. And I think we're used to feeding off other people's energy. I know that I am depending on what type of person you are, but even just hopping on here with you, I'm like, you know, a little bit more energized and excited. So definitely. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you. (laughs) So first let's define what intuitive and mindful eating are. I know there's not like one single definition. And when I did a little Google search, I saw just so many different like kind of words and things that were kind of falling under this category, but I'd love to hear from you as an expert, kind of what you would define these terms as, and maybe just kind of like elaborate a little bit more on um, what they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think that intuitive eating and mindful eating are similar, uh, but they're not the same thing. So intuitive eating is a process to help people heal from the effects of chronic dieting. Uh, we've all at some point been on a diet, so we know how frustrating that is. Um, and we can shoot talk up. more about that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, that'll come up in this conversation. Um, but someone who is an intuitive eater is really great at listening to their body signals and really honors both physical and mental health. So going back to the diet, I'm sure that any diet that you've been on feels at some point restrictive and can feel a little bit isolating. So intuitive eating really brings a beautiful balance of enjoyment of food, of freedom, of peace, and really working with your body, which is really refreshing, right? Um, So whenever you're eating mindfully, that really means being fully present with your meal. So mindful eating really is such an important piece of intuitive eating because when you're present, you're you're able to listen to your body signals. You're able to tap into what your body's telling you. You're really able to enjoy your food in a way that um, mindless eating doesn't let you do. 
And that sounds wonderful. The idea of enjoying your food, which it sounds like a lot of us in this society today, food has become so complex and there's so much out there on the media about this food's good and this food's bad. And it makes perfect sense to me that we have fallen out of intuitive and mindful eating. Definitely. And there's so much noise out there that we start to learn that we can't trust our bodies, right? Because there's all these experts and there's all these rules and there's quote unquote good foods and bad foods. Um, And with intuitive eating, all of that just goes away. And honestly, it just feels like a weight lifted off your shoulders whenever you're able to become more intuitive with your food, because then you can trust your own body and do what you need in the moment instead of having to listen to some outside authority. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, we were just kind of starting off with the topic of stress and how people are definitely feeling this, you know, heightened stress right now where we're stuck at home and life is changing and it's very uncertain. And when we talk about the digestive system, we know that the gut and the brain are directly connected, you know, on so many levels, we have, you know, tiny neurons that are, you know, giving signals and stimulating digestion. And then, you know, our thoughts, our emotions, all of that are also playing a huge role into the way we're digesting and absorbing food. So I want to kind of just talk about what is actually happening on a physiological level when we're under stress. And an important thing here to note too, is that being distracted or multitasking can also be a form of stress which I think a lot of us don't think about, right? Absolutely. And think about how it's so commonplace to eat when you're working and eat at your desk and eat in the car and while you're walking down the street, like all of that is just, not only is it stressful to our bodies, but it's really hard to be mindful when we're in the middle of doing something else and trying to eat at the same time. (laughs) And I know I, for the longest time, wanted to think I was an an exception to this because I thought, okay, well, I'm about to hop on a call, a conference call, and I'll eat my lunch. And even though, you know, I'm probably not perfectly mindfully eating, I'll, I'll be okay because, you know, I'll just chew slower or something like that. And I didn't actually realize how powerful it was until I started implementing some of the practices that, you know, you'll be sharing and we'll be talking about later in this episode and how much it can really make a difference. Uh, I also like to always share a story of a client that I had who he was not chewing his food completely and he had his bowel movements were all over the place. And the only change that we implemented was him chewing his food completely. And he had the first normal bowel movement that he had had in like months. Amazing. (laughs) Mind blowing. Like (laughs) The simplest changes make a big difference. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, but small hinges swing big doors like the little changes that make such a big difference. We, it's like so that. easy to underestimate them too, you know? That's so true. I love that saying. I'm going to keep <laughs> that in my back pocket for sure. Yeah, use it. <laughs> so under stress, when our body is in this like fight or flight mode, and this is actually a wonderful thing that our body does for us because if we were, God forbid, being chased by like a tiger, which probably tiger would happen. <laughs> <laughs> Also very relevant. If we were being chased by a tiger or I guess, you know, Joe in this case. Joe exotic. (laughs) It would be, 
you know, a really good thing that our body would step in and have some of these physiological changes happening. But when we talk about it in terms of being distracted or eating in a state of stress, these are not things that we want in terms of improving our digestive health. And the first one is that when our digestive system is essentially shutting down because it's trying to focus on other things going on in the body, we have fewer digestive enzymes being released. We have less acid being secreted, which is what we need to absorb and break down carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And then we also need that stomach acid for vitamins and minerals because we can't actually break them down and utilize them if we don't have that acid. And then also just ability to metabolize during the stress response, the cells in our body are, you know, not able to metabolize fatty acids. And instead our body is typically going to be reaching for stored fat and excess fluid. And sorry, that's incorrect. So breaking down Mm -hmm. muscle and replacing that with stored fat and excess fluid. And over time, this can actually lead to weight gain. And then the third, or I forget what number that is, but excess glucose being released. So during the stress response, excess glucose is released into the bloodstream. And this is the goal of this is to give us extra energy. Because if we were, again, being chased by a tiger, we would our bodies would say, okay, we need to give this body energy. And the pancreas releases additional insulin, which delivers this excess glucose. And this can also play a role into why we might have cravings for foods that are high in sugar when we are really stressed. And again, it's not necessarily just, okay, you know, someone yelled at me or I have this big thing going on at work, just even, you know, sitting on Instagram and scrolling and seeing certain things on our feed that we don't even realize are distracting or stressful to us can be stress on our digestive system and our bodies and therefore impacting the quality of our digestion. Yeah, Instagram, I feel like, or any social media, I think one of the things that I always recommend is to really take stock of what you're seeing and how is it making you feel. If it's making you feel really bad about yourself or stressed out, then unfollow, unsubscribe, like you are in control. Yeah, you were talking about how we've got all these rules and the way that we've kind of moved away from this intuitive eating and Instagram has become this all of a sudden mainstream circuit of quality information. I'm doing air quotations here, quality information where people are taking these things as nutrition and health advice and looking at what certain influencers are eating or doing. And we're taking that as true health advice, which is really harmful. Yeah, there's, there's so much information out there. And I think that it's really important to learn how to listen to your body and to seek some individualized help. If you are struggling with your health in any way, that includes physical and mental and emotional health. Um, so important to um, be able to filter out what the Instagram world is telling you versus, you know, what actually is some helpful advice for you. Absolutely. Now, now that we know kind of what's happening on a physiological level, can you kind of touch on how mindful eating can also help with satiety or just someone's relationship in in general with food? Because I know for me, when I first discovered intuitive eating, I didn't quite understand the nuances of it. And I found that it could be turned into a hunger fullness diet really fast, meaning that 
you know, simplifying the concept of intuitive eating to some black and white place where you should only eat when you're hungry and then you should stop when you're full. And, you know, as humans, because we eat for a multitude of reasons and not just hunger, I think that it would be helpful to kind of elaborate on that. Absolutely. I think that, um, as humans, we want to create rules around things and we want to create structure because that leaves us feeling in control. Um, so think about like whenever you first start a diet, there's kind of like this high and you feel in control and you're motivated. Um, but intuitive eating is not a diet. It's like the opposite of a diet. Um, and that can be a little bit unnerving. So I think that it is important to find kind of what works for you and find um, a routine that works for you. Um, but that being said, whenever you are eating mindfully, you're so in touch with how your food tastes, whether you like it or not, how it's making you feel in your body. Um, and a lot of that can get lost whenever you're following outside authority, if that makes sense. So, um, with any diet, there's always a list of like foods that you can eat and foods that you can't eat or you're not allowed to eat, right? And with intuitive eating, you're allowed to eat anything. Like you, you don't need permission to eat anything. And that can be really, really scary. And I think that that's where mindful eating is so powerful because when you sit down, you're fully present with your meal, you can really enjoy it too. So I don't know about you, but whenever you really, really enjoy your meal and you're present with it, you don't actually need a lot of it to feel satisfied. Mm. So you're able to feel satisfied. Um, and again, you're able to tune into like, is this making me feel good? Is this making me feel energized? Is this making me feel bloated or sluggish? Right. And all of that is super important information to learn what your body needs and what your body thrives on. Yeah, I, I know for sure that when I used to, you know, be stuck in that diet culture, it was always like, what are the foods that I can eat that can make me feel the most full so that I don't have to experience hunger and I can reach my health goals and do all the things that, you know, society has taught me that I need to be achieving. And I was so unsatisfied. And I was not enjoying the food that I was eating and I was, yes, experiencing that sense of physical fullness, but there was that emotional part of my body that was not being nourished and not in a sense of, you know, I think when we think of emotional eating, people think, oh, well, stress eating's bad and you should never eat just out of emotions and food is fuel. You know, I hate that hashtag food is fuel and <laughs> yes, food is fuel, but it's also fuel for our mind and our spirit and, you know, also tapping into that intuition. And until I realized that, and I'd love to hear, you know, I know you have a similar story to this as well of until you're tapping into that and what your body wants, you find that, again, you don't need to be shoving, you know, salads down your throat and, you know, seeking volume foods and counting calories because you're actually eating what you'd like to be eating. Totally. And there are times when I always use this example of pizza and salad, because in the diet world, we're told that salad is good and things like pizza are bad. But there are times when you're going to going to be craving pizza, there are times when pizza is actually the most nourishing choice for you, right? And I'm not talking about allergies, like obviously that's different, but um, 
you know, maybe you've been like really, really active or like you want something really, really hearty, or maybe that's just what you're craving. That's okay. But with intuitive eating, there's also times when you're going to be craving a salad, when a salad is going to feel the most nourishing for you. And so once you you learn to trust your body and learn to tap into those signals, then you're able to make those choices that are in alignment with your physical health, your mental health, how you want to feel. And it comes from a place of choice rather than a place of, well, I need to choose this because this is what is allowed on my diet. Mm, Almost like having a reservation for the choice that you're making, but it's from an external force. Totally. And you want to be making choices from an empowered place, right? From a place where you're the boss of your body and you get to choose and you get to feel good as a result. I love that. That's awesome. Now, intuitive eating, I know in the past people have thought of it as kind of the point that you made about, you know, sometimes a salad is going to feel good. Sometimes a pizza is going to feel good. But I think a lot of people have thought of intuitive eating as a you know, you've said this before, a free for all and just kind of like, oh, you can just eat, you know, crap and do whatever. And it's not going to make a difference. You're still going to be healthy either way. And so can you kind of touch on that a little bit too? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the most common misconceptions that I hear about intuitive eating, that it's just a free for all to eat all of the things that you weren't allowed to previously. Um, and that is not the point of intuitive eating. Um, But that's what it sounds like on the surface, right? Because with intuitive eating, you are, you have permission to eat whatever you want. Um, But there are, like I said, there are times when eating things like salad or fruit or like really fresh things, things that would typically be considered good and you are going to crave those things. And the thing is with diet culture is that whenever we have foods that we're not allowed to eat, that's when we start to crave them because we start to feel restricted. So you, you might be able to rely on willpower for a little while and do really well at the beginning, but eventually your cravings are going to feel overwhelming. You're going to feel low energy. You're going to just like really want something and eventually willpower isn't going to keep you away from it. So then you'll binge and then that's when the binge restrict cycle happens. And that's how we start to form an unhealthy relationship with food. So if you have the permission to eat whatever you want, and now you're choosing foods out of nourishment, then that's when that beautiful balance happens of being able to eat like a cookie and feel satisfied or a piece of chocolate and feel satisfied. Um, If you are stuck in the diet mentality, then one cookie is not going to satisfy you. You'll probably eat a whole sleeve and then feel really guilty and upset at yourself. And that's not... Um, a good place to be. It's not fun (laughs) to be in a place of guilt and restriction and in a binge. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there myself for sure. So I, and I'm think you can relate as well, Melissa, and it's not a great place. Now the listeners are probably hearing, okay, so I understand that on a physiological level, mindful eating and intuitive eating are wonderful. They're great for me. Now, what if somebody's listening and they're feeling like, okay, I feel like I can't even keep sugar in the house. I feel like intuitive eating and mindful eating are not even arm's length distance away from me. It feels incredibly unachievable. How, like, what would you say to those people or what are some situations where people could be very vulnerable to, you know, not being able to tap into this intuitive eating? And I think after this, we'll go into 
some of the tips of like what they can do to implement and how to practice mindful and intuitive eating um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So intuitive eating really is a process and it's a practice and um, we've been so disconnected from our bodies. Like think about how long you've been in the diet mentality. It's probably a lifetime, right? We've all been in diet mentality for a really long time. So it makes sense that it's going to take a little bit to start to unravel what is actually happening and start to make choices in alignment with our bodies. Sometimes we've forgotten how to listen to our bodies, right? So there's a whole practice and it is important to not skip steps because all of the steps are so important. Um, That being said, it's all about baby steps. So like I mentioned earlier, unfollow things that are diety, all the things that make you feel bad about yourself, all the noise, unfollow that. You don't need that in your life. Follow just accounts that really uplift you, make you feel really good about yourself and then take baby steps. So slow down, um, turn off your devices or put airplane mode or stop trying to multitask while you're eating, right? One thing at a time. Um, Really chew your food properly and like pick one of these things and start taking baby steps toward it. And once you're ready, start tapping into how foods are making you feel. And you can feel my dog in the background. <laughs> hey, we're all in quarantine right now. You Dogs know, are <laughs> she wants to, she wants to join in on the conversation. Yeah. Start tapping into how foods are making you feel. Um, do you feel energized? Do you feel sluggish? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel really good? Do you feel nourished? Like all of this is just really, really important information. Um, and that is what starts to connect you with your body more. Mm, I love that. And now I think this is also an important distinction for us to make too, Melissa, if someone is coming from a place of restriction and they've been dieting for a while, or they've been not mindfully eating or intuitively eating for a while. I know I've worked with clients who have said like, well, I I can't trust that. I think the importance here is you need to be in a healthy weight and in a healthy calorie intake to be able to start to tap into that intuition because if you're under fueled and underfed, then you are highly vulnerable to, you know, the symptoms, if you will, of not mindfully eating because your body's undernourished. It's going to crave sugar because you're not giving it enough calories. It's going to have a heightened response when you start to eat something with sugar in it because you've been restricting for so long. Absolutely. And think about what a brilliant mechanism that is. Like our bodies are so smart and they're working so hard to keep us healthy and alive. And so take that as evidence that your body is super, super smart and your body is doing a great job at protecting you. Right. I love that coming from a place of gratitude because it can be frustrating. You're thinking, you mentioned willpower earlier, and I know a lot of my clients have felt like, this is a force beyond them and they're feeling betrayed. Like, why can I get to a place where I can eat mindfully and this and that and remembering that everything that your body is doing is for your own good. And it's so smart. And it's also very able to get to a place of where Melissa is talking to, where you're eating intuitively and feeling really great, but it's the steps in between that you cannot skip. And one of those might include 
getting your body properly fed and nourished before you can trust those signals and trust the feedback that your body's giving you. Totally. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) You you mentioned the chewing and I found a research article prior to our meeting that showed that increasing the number of chews per bite increased certain gut hormones in, um, in these clients. And it also increased their satiety, meaning that they felt more satisfied and I guess you could say full, but I think satisfied is a more appropriate word. They felt content after the meal. And then on a physiological level, these clients found that their hormone levels in their gut were distributed appropriately and released appropriately in response to digestion. So how cool is that? I just love seeing this in research because chewing is not only you know, helping us have these, this register of, okay, you're satisfied, you're enjoying your food, you're full, but on our a hormonal level, our response is appropriate, which is, is really cool. That is really cool. And you didn't have to try very hard to get there. You know, it's like chewing your food and then your body takes care of the rest. It's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned not skipping steps and I know you said, so chewing your food, limiting distractions. Is there anything that you would add to the list for the listeners for things that you know, picking, picking one tip, I think is the most important thing. Like you said, starting small and not trying to do everything at once, but I love those two first tips. Is there, are there any other tips or pieces of advice that you could give the listener that they could implement tonight at dinner? Um, or whenever they're listening to this at their next meal that they can implement where they can start to practice this, this act of mindful eating or intuitive eating. Yeah, absolutely. I think doing everything that you can to limit distractions is probably going to be the most important step, like the one thing that you can start to implement tonight. I do really think it's important to start to tackle our, you know, our fears that we can't trust our bodies and our beliefs around diet culture and what makes us beautiful and healthy and successful, like all of those things that are always wrapped into our relationships with food if we're struggling with food. Um, And one of the things I always tell my clients is to start collecting evidence. So if you make a choice and let's say whatever choice you make to have for dinner tonight um, and it leaves you feeling really good, then take that as evidence that you can trust your body and you can trust yourself. And so uh, take it one meal at a time and just collect evidence of all the times that you can trust yourself. And if there's ever a time that you make a choice and it doesn't feel good, that's also great evidence and great feedback because you also want to know what doesn't make you still feel, feel so good. Mm, I love that. That's wonderful. So I always, I think that these have been some great tips and I always hope that the listeners can get some great tools out of this. And Melissa works one-on-one with clients to help them do this. And as a root cause dietitian, I think it's important, like Melissa said, to look at some of the, you know, the things that are underlying the emotions, the, the misconceptions that you've had about what's good or bad and, and, you know, really kind of digging a little bit deeper as to why maybe you could feel really out of touch. And so getting extra help might be something that's necessary for you and having that support that's necessary for you. So if you're someone that chewing your food completely isn't going to help you mindfully eat or limiting distractions, if you really need that extra support and that, that deep digging um, intuitive work, then Melissa does work one-on-one with clients. And I'll touch on that a little bit after I ask her one of the most important questions of the hour, 
But I want to just say thank you so much for, for coming on here. I think these tips are wonderful. And you know, whether you're looking to improve your digestion or your relationship with food, you know, you need to prioritize both of those things because they go hand in hand and they're directly related. And if we aren't, you know, working on our relationship with food, then our digestion is going to be impaired and we're going to see things like bloating and constipation and diarrhea and overall just suboptimal digestion, which we know is not good for us. Yeah. You really just want to feel your best, right? That's what we all want. So everything is connected. Mm -hmm. So Melissa, what is your favorite childhood memory involving food? (laughs) I love this question. (laughs) Um, So I grew up on the border between Texas and Mexico. And um, on the Mexican side, there's this restaurant that we've always gone to as a family and I just love it. And (laughs) it's just so good. Um, so even now, like every time I go home, we always go to that one restaurant and there's just been so many memories, so many family meals that we've had there. It's just the best. I love seeing your face light up when you, (laughs) when you said that you could tell. I, and I love this question for that reason, because I think it really touches on the point of what we talked about today, how food is so much more than just fuel for people. It's, you know, emotional, it has memories associated with it, and it has an ability to cause what just happened on Melissa's face for you to light up and, you know, bring you back to a time and hopefully a positive memory with maybe friends or family and, or just happiness. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Now, Melissa, where can people find you if they are just looking for inspiration when it comes to mindful, intuitive eating, finding peace with food, or if they're looking to work one-on-one with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to follow me is on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, It's melissa.mauricio.wellness. My last name is M-A-U-R-I-C-I-O. And my website is www.melissamwellness.com. Wonderful. Well, Melissa, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing, especially during this time. I'm sure that your services are even more relevant, especially with the stress. And I've definitely been talking with a lot of my clients about, you know, navigating dietary habits and, and managing those things at this time. But I wish you well during this time and um, thank you for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and kindness with everybody here. Thank you so much for having me on. This was really great. Of course. All right. Bye, Melissa. Bye.